Welcome to the Radiant Mission Podcast. We are on a mission to encourage and inspire other believers as they navigate through this life and with their relationship with Christ. We are a faith-based podcast, so we approach all issues from that biblical lens. And if you've been listening along, we hope that you've enjoyed the journey so far. We'd also like to remind you that we include very detailed show notes. They include links and basically a cliff notes version of our episodes, and they are on our blog. So be sure to subscribe to our blog for notifications of new episodes and those quick links to audio and the video version of our podcast as well. You can find that at theradiantmission.com forward slash blog, or just go to the website and you'll see it. Now we have been talking about birth fertility. And today we have a very special guest with a miraculous story. Her name is Evan Nichols, and she is actually a longtime friend. Rachel and I met Evan at Park Ridge Baptist church down in the Parkland Coral Springs, Florida area as kids. I don't even know how old we are. I think I was in like maybe sixth grade. So you guys, no, I think I, I think I was sixth grade. sixth grade. You were like, Evan. that makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense. You were probably sixth grade. So Evan, I think you're in between us. So you're probably seventh yeah. and I was probably eighth grade. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's been 20 years. <laughs> house after, cause your school, my, your house was right by my middle school. So I used to come and have sleepovers at your house. Like, oh yeah. Deep in the friendship. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're so excited to have you here, Evan. It's, yes. it's crazy. I was thinking about today, this conversation we're going to have with you. And how you and I used to dress like Avril Lavigne. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I show those photos to people now and they're like, I'm like, you don't even know what was happening. (laughs) We were like those scene kids before that was even a term. (laughs) Up to the elbows. Yes. Belts over belts, shirts yeah. over shirts. Yeah, we were messes. The yes. tie with a no oh my gosh. shirt just for tie <laughs> with a t-shirt. <laughs> the tie with a tank top, tie with a t-shirt. Fortified. <laughs> it really there was some real style going on back then. It really I don't was know. a time. It was a time. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much, Evan, for your willingness to share your story with us. It is amazing. And I don't even know all the little details yet. I know Rachel has kind of more of an inside scoop on the, all of the details and I've heard some of it. And so I can't wait. I'm just excited for you to share this today. So we really would just love it. If you could start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your backstory and this journey, but also perhaps what made you want to share this story? Because I know it's a true testimony. Yeah, absolutely. It's a hundred percent true. I have proof of it, you know, but, uh, <laughs> real proof, but, um, my name's Evan Nichols. I'm, uh, 34. Um, I've been married for 11 years. I've been with my husband for about 14. Um, we've lived in a few different places in the country and had our fun and, you know, we were ready, you know, in our late twenties to start a family. And that's kind of where the story starts and I'll kind of start there. But, um, really what made me want to share this testimony was to bring hope. And as soon as, as soon as, you know, you, we got to the end of this road, I knew that I wanted to share this story with people who needed this, 
You know, this is a this is a story that brings hope to barren wombs. This is a story that brings faith to people who are faithless. This is a story to remind people that our God still can do miracles and he does them every single day. And I used to hear that a lot when I was going through my struggle and I'm like, mm, I know he does, but you know, but <laughs> it's so true. And when you hear a story like mine, it just revamps the, the hope and faith and the reminder that we serve a really miraculous, amazing, so amazing. Yeah. God. That's amazing. <laughs> I, yeah. I got the chills when you were saying that, by the way. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> so, um, so it starts, you know, my husband Brent and I met, um, a long time ago, for about 14 years ago. And we got married a few years later. Um, we got married quickly knowing that he was going to join the military. It was a decision he made in the time that we were dating. So it was like, oh, I want to join the military. Okay, well, let's get married. Okay. Cause we were going to do it anyway. We just sped up the process a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, um, and we decided really quickly that we were going to wait to have children. Um, we really wanted to enjoy our young twenties. He had just finished, um, all his training and everything. We were getting ready to move to Tennessee and we were kind of like, let's just wait, see where this life takes us and then go from there. But we also really just wanted to enjoy our young twenties. We, we were not in any rush to have kids. So that was, we moved to Tennessee in like 2012 and then 14, he was getting ready to go to Afghanistan in January. He was going to be gone for nine months. I kind of, you know, sat him before I sat him down before he left. And I said, look, it's time. I think when you come back from Afghanistan, I think we should, we should try for a family. And he was excited and I was excited. So, so um, he went away and he came back and we, we tried to start our family. I did notice some changes in my body at that time, but I wasn't really super concerned about it. Um, I just knew that we wanted to have a baby. So I was just going to kind of let it happen, you know? So we tried for a few months and nothing happened. And then we tried for a few more months and nothing happened. And, you know, he, he and I sat down and had a conversation and he said, look what's going on. Like, you know, should we go to a doctor? And I said, you know, I did the thing that I know a lot of people do. And now that I know better, I would have done things differently. But I said, let's, let's wait a year. Let's try for a year. Cause I know sometimes it just doesn't happen for people right away. And then we'll, we'll I'll go to the doctor. You'll go to the doctor. We'll all get checked. So we tried for a year and still nothing happened. So I did the thing that I hate doing the most. And I went to the doctor um, and, um, the doctor, you know, did some, suggested some things. And then he said, well, we know that you have PCOS. And I was like, we don't know that, you know that. <laughs> so, um, I was officially diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome at that point, And it was kind of messing with my menstrual cycles. So, um, that was the main reason I wasn't ovulating. That's why I couldn't have, I couldn't get pregnant. Mm. And my doctor made it very clear to me that I would not get pregnant outside of medical intervention. So, wow. um, this was before, I mean, I grew up Christian, obviously we grew up in the same church, but I was pretty far from God at this point. I still believed in God and I trusted God. And I, you know, I, I would pray to him and keep my husband safe in Afghanistan and, you know, cover you know, protect my house, please, while I'm away and, you know, things like that. But I, I treated God differently 
and I had a different relationship with him than I do now. So he and the doctor immediately said, look, we're going to start with the easy stuff and then I'll move you into something a little bit harder, you know, and then eventually we'll have to go to IVF. That will be your end all be all. That will be, he never said you could spontaneously get pregnant. He never said this happens for people. He never said any of that. And he was a good doctor, but it was just kind of like, we need, you need medical intervention if you want to have a baby. So he put me on, and I'm going to say the name of the medication because I'm sure people out there know what it is. Put me on Clomid. Um, and that medication needs heavy monitoring because literally your ovaries can expand and explode inside of you. So, Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah. It can, it can cause your ovaries to enlarge and then burst basically. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was at the doctor like every week, either having blood drawn, having an internal ultrasound. It was a constant monitoring. And I think every week that I went to the doctor, it was just a constant letdown because it was like, well, not pregnant, but you know, we'll do up your dosage. Well, not pregnant, but you know, your blood work looks okay. Well, you know, and it was very nonchalant for them, but for me, it was a little devastating and it tore part of me every time. And then it sounds very traumatizing. It was. And now that I look back on it, I'm like, wow, that really sucks. And now I know why I was feeling the way that I was feeling because, um, I, I always describe it as like, um, when I was on this medication, it felt like a, I could literally feel, it just felt like from here to here and over top of me, it felt like a dark cloud over me. Wow. And that's how I could literally feel it. And my husband knew something was up with me. My mom knew something was up with me and I could feel it, but I couldn't explain it. Hmm. And, um, and I just thought it was the hormones and all this, just this stuff going on. And I really wasn't telling a lot of people what was going on. So people were still asking, you know, look, you and Brent have been together for a while. When are you guys going to have a baby? Hmm. And those questions didn't really devastate me, but they didn't help. Yeah. Such they're a- painful. Yeah, for sure. Because you're like, if you only knew, <laughs> yeah, if you only knew what I'm going through right now, yeah. my body is going through. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was hard on my body. I was having terrible menstrual cycles. You know, it was hard on my emotions. And then one day, one night, Brent and I were going to go to a friend's house. We had to stop at the store and pick something up. And he said, Hey, you went to the doctor's today. Right. And I said, yes. And he goes, how did it go? And I just bursted into tears and I wasn't even really telling him what was going on. Mm. And I was like, I'm just, you know, and he was like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> Luckily I have a really understanding husband and he, he sat down with me. He's like, look, whatever happens, we're going to get through this. We've gotten through everything we've done. You're going to be okay. You know, he was really, really supportive through everything. And, um, so I did a couple rounds of Clomid and, um, at the beginning of 2016, we got a phone call that my father-in-law passed away very tragically in Mm. an accident, very suddenly, very tragically. He was, um, he was hit by a train. Uh, It was very, it was terrible. He was young, you know, he was like in his fifties. So of course we rushed to Ohio to be with my, my husband's family and to help them take care of things. Um, And in that, and I had been asking myself, it was, it was really bad, but you know what? Um, we always said, if one person came to know the Lord through my father-in-law's passing, it would be worth it. And all three of my husband's three younger half step or half siblings all came to know God through it. So wow. we're, you know, of course it's devastating, but it brought light into a dark situation. And it, this actually him passing was a segue for us too. So mm-hmm. we were dealing with a lot of really bad things there, just family, you know, people go through things when they're mourning and people say things and do things that they wouldn't typically do. 
So we were dealing with a lot of that stuff too, and being like kind of outside of the grandparents and, you know, the aunt, we were kind of the only adults. We were trying to really help facilitate things as best we could. Mm-hmm. And my husband was so adamant about, he's very like business driven, like let's get the tasks done. And he didn't want to leave things. So he was so driven and doing things that we didn't stop to think about any of it. And um, one night we were dealing with a particular situation. And I said, look, let's just pray. And I was not really always that kind of person. I would say to myself, I'll just pray about it. But I said, let's just pray. So we prayed about it. And he went and had a meeting with um, a few people. And he said, he came back. He said, Evan, I literally watched God move in that meeting like I've never experienced in my life before. And he looked at me and he said, when we get back to Tennessee, we are going to church. And I was like, you got it, dude. So, <laughs> so, and I had been wanting that, but I also knew I couldn't force him into it and not that he was against it, but he wasn't pushing for it either. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of waiting for the right opportunity for him to say, we need to get our family back into church. Mm-hmm. So, um, we started going back to church and it started helping us grow a little bit, um, and be just different than how we were and really starting to understand God on a different level mm-hmm. than how we ever were before. And meanwhile, while we were getting into church up there, my family was transitioning into a very different kind of church down here as well, where, you know, we believe in a God who does miracles and we believe in, you know, prophecy. And we believe that the Bible talks about all these things. And my parents started going to a miraculous church that moves in a lot of those ways. And, um, so my parents were getting into these things and, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know about all this, you guys. (laughs) So, cause I really, I didn't know, you know, and now mm-hmm. that I read the word more and I, I understand what God, how God moves more now, you know, I know that I was just putting God in a box. Mm-hmm. So I came down here for my sister-in-law's uh, bridal shower in the end of 2016. And um, I went to church with my family that Sunday and I just didn't know what to expect because I knew God moved in a really, really amazing way, but I didn't understand it. So the pastor got up there. He knew nothing about me. And it was a church. It was a smaller church at the time. We've grown quite a bit since then. And he said, I want everybody to put their hands on their stomach. And everybody was like, and he goes, say I'm pregnant. And he goes pregnant with emotion, pregnant with, you know, and he just started saying all these things and I'm sitting there like, okay, you know, cause I'm dealing with all this infertility stuff and I'm going through all these crazy things. So what do I know? So eventually he, he comes to me and he said, you know, basically the Lord gave me a word and it said it was the, um, the parable of the persistent friend in Luke. And it talks about you're laying in bed with your children and your friend comes to the door and knocks on the door, knocks on the door, knocks on the door. And then you're like, go away. I'm in bed with my children. And they just keep knocking on all your neighbor's doors and basically until you let them in. And I, what the heck does that mean? I don't know. So I went to the pastor, you know, and I spoke with him afterwards and he said, well, do you have children? And I said, no, that's been my husband and I struggle. And he said, well, that verse said that you're laying in bed with your children. So you will have kids. And right then and there, that dropped hope into my heart that I had literally never, ever had before. And it's so crazy because before that I would tell, I would ask God, I'm like, Lord, I don't care if just a random person in the grocery store walks up to me and tells me that I'll have a baby. I don't care if some, if you're going to tell me that I'm going to have a baby in 20 years, as long as I know that I'm going to have a baby. Mm. 
And that's all I really, that's, I just needed, I need, I was looking for hope in the world and I was Mm. looking for hope, somebody, anybody just give me hope. And God put that in my heart right then and there. Like, Mm. and it was just, and it came, you know, it it was just something that I really, really needed. (laughs) And it just changed. It changed my whole life in one afternoon. So I went home to Tennessee and I was a different, I was just ready to understand things on a different level and to, to understand what is this, you know, I started praying more and I started reading my Bible more. And, um, you know, a lot of people would ask me, well, why don't you guys just adopt? And my husband and I prayed about that. You know, we sat down and we kind of were like, he's, I said, look, let's just, let's talk about this. This was after all this happened because we're going to have a baby, right? We know we're going to have kids, but what way are we going to have kids? So I said, let's talk about this and say, let's pray about it for one month. Each of us will pray, Lord, if we're meant to have a child of our own, keep that in our hearts. If we're meant to adopt, change our hearts about adoption. If we're not meant to have kids at all, which we knew we were just, just take the kid, take kids off the table for us completely. Like, like, just tell us we're not meant to have it, have them. So, um, so we prayed about it for a whole month and then we had a dinner date and I said, okay, so we've been praying for a month. How do you feel? He said, I really still feel like we need to have our own kids. And I was like, me too. So we prayed, we both knew that this is what we were supposed to do. We just couldn't get to it. Mm-hmm. So after, you know, after all that, I stopped taking fertility medication. I took a break and I decided I'm not going to do it again because I knew that I needed to rely on God. And actually after that word from the Lord, I never went this is going to sound bad to some people, but I never went back to the OB again because Mm -hmm. I trusted that God would make this happen for me. And I didn't need medical intervention. And I knew that God would take care of me. And I knew that if he says it right, his word is yes. And amen. So Mm -hmm. if God tells me I'm going to have my children, I'm going to have my children. Mm -hmm. So I held so like, I clutched that word into my heart. Like I want to thinking about it because had to what what other hope did I have yeah right the doctors weren't doing it Clomid wasn't doing it and I knew I knew I didn't want to put my body through IVF because the the women who do that are seriously they're so strong because that's really tough Mm -hmm. um but I knew I didn't want to do that so this was all I had I had to rely on God to do this so um Eventually God placed it in our hearts to move down to Florida and, um, we moved down here and began serving God completely in a way that we never were before. You know, we always would try to get involved in church, um, wherever we were at, but this time it was really different. God, um, I eventually was able, was placed in, uh, as head of our children's ministry in our church and which I'm still doing. Um, and I'm also on the worship team, one of the worship leaders. Um, and, uh, God really gave me a lot of, he trusted a lot in my hands and I knew I needed to serve him wholly and fully. And not because I wanted this, I didn't do it because I wanted this miracle to happen. I'm, I'm going to do this for you, God, but you got to do this for me mm-hmm. more like, I love you, Lord. And I know that no matter what, I love you. And I'm just going to, I just want to serve you in your church and I want to serve your people. Mm-hmm. So I was really adamant about, um, 
making sure that I loved God and I love God, not because he was going to do something for me, but because he loves me. And I don't deserve that. I don't deserve the love that he gives me and, um, and how much he loves us and all the things that he does for us, you know? So I was really, really adamant about serving and, and loving on God and really, really just focusing on my relationship with him. Um, so God really, really worked in a lot of ways for us over the years. And he, um, I'm just trying to think he, I prayed to God, um, a lot through this and asked him, um, Lord, I know you're going to bless me with a child. I know you're going to bless me with a child. Can I just see her? Can I just see him or her who, who, whatever it is, can you just show? And I was praying that for a long time. And then one night and Rachel, you come into the story at this point. Um, and I said, and I was just, God took me to a new place when I was praying and I had a vision and I was sitting on the floor of a kitchen and, um, it actually looked like one of my old friends kitchens in Tennessee. And I was sitting on the floor of a kitchen and there was like a table, there was a table and there was French doors to my right. And I'm looking around this kitchen and I see a little, probably like one or two year old girl walk past me blonde curls and she's wearing this beautiful like cobalt blue like ball gown dress and she walks over to the window and she puts her hand on the window I'm getting choked up and um and then that was it and I literally after I was sitting I was like was that my daughter and it was like just total peace ran over me and it was like God just showed me my child like that's amazing so I got to see my kid before I ever even held her in my arms or in my body or anything so and then a few days later <laughs> Rachel or maybe like a week or so later Rachel reached out to me and she's like I know this is gonna sound crazy but I had a dream about you last night with and you had a gender reveal party and I really don't even 100% remember it maybe you want to say Rachel, but yeah that's yeah. I you know I didn't really realize until you're telling me, cause we've talked about this before, but I didn't realize that this was so soon after that vision that yeah. you had, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, we've, since we've known each other, since we were young, we've kept in touch, but we've lived, you know, across All the country over. from each other. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, every few years or so we catch up and I had this, and I, I will say outside of pregnancy, I don't dream very often and I do not dream vividly. And I had this very vivid dream one night about you. And it was a, I was at your gender reveal party yeah. and it was you and your husband. And, and I remember all the details too, even now, and everybody was wearing white and you were doing one of those, um, Poppers. confetti things. Yeah. And it was blue though. Mm -hmm. And I woke up after having that dream. I'm like, wow, it's really weird. I had that dream about Evan because it was really <laughs> out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought about it for like a day, maybe two days, because I was thinking about reaching out to you, but I'm like, this is kind of creepy. <laughs> like we hadn't talked in like a while and it just felt so random but it just kept like gnawing at me. Yeah. And so I reached out to you and I, I said, this is going to sound creepy, but I had this dream and I told you what it was. And I had no idea what you were going through. Yeah. 
I had no idea that you were having these fertility struggles and, and you told me that. And, um, that's so wild that it, it really felt like God used me in that way, even though I was someone from your past. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. It was, I've, I've never really had that happen with anyone. Yeah. So <laughs> it's such a, it's just such a confirmation of God's word and the things that he was already showing me and telling me. And I think it's just all orchestrated by God that we even kept in somewhat contact over the years for you yeah. to even, I mean, yeah, it is awkward to be like, Hey, uh, I had a dream about you, <laughs> you know, it is weird, <laughs> but it's just God orchestrating all of that. So that, you know, there is a door that stays a little open so that we can say these things to each other. And, you know, because there are people that I've totally, you know, not talked to anymore, but, you know, with you, when you reached out to me, I wasn't like, wow, this girl is a creep. I was like, <laughs> wow, God is so cool. You know? And it just, it just was so, it was so cool. And, you know, infertility is so crippling. It's so crippling for people, you know, and I actually, I wanted to ask you something about that while you were going through this stuff and like, just holding on to this hope and this promise of God, I, I know from my own experience and hearing from other women, especially being a woman of faith that we approach things differently than, than, you know, women struggling with infertility who um, you know, don't have the same beliefs. Well, how was that feeling for you at that time? Um, especially like before you had this vision and you were praying, like, did you feel like you were like wrestling with the Lord and trusting him? Or were you really like just set in that hope? Before I, before I got this word from the Lord, before I had this hope from God, right. It was, and I was going to say this, like, it infertility is different for everyone, but for me, it was just like, you're never going to have kids. What if you never have kids? So if I wasn't busy, this wheel was squeaking in my head constantly and it was causing anxiety and it was caused, and I've never struggled with anxiety, but it was causing anxiety. It was causing, I could, I held it here in my chest and I could always feel this weight on my chest. And I'm not kidding with you. As soon as that word was spoken to me, the wheel was gone. The weight on my chest was gone. And it was like, as soon as I got that word, I, I never struggled again. Like with, of course, then, you know, it was like, okay, God, you said, I'm going to do this, but like your timing, what's the timing, you know? And right. of course God doesn't reveal his timing to us ever. And his timing is always perfect. Right. But, um, for me after, after I, I think there was so much learning about who God was and who I was in God. And in that time between, when I got received this word and then, you know, moving forward, I, God had to really grow me because I was that I wasn't that person that was like, I can't go to your baby shower because you know, it's going to hurt me. I really tried to always support my friends because I didn't want anybody to feel the way that I was feeling. And I didn't want anybody to feel bad for me either. You know, I really just wanted everybody to be normal with me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't treat me special. Don't be like, sorry, you had to be at the shower. I, I wanted to be happy for my friends. Of course, the initial shock of finding out that certain like friends were pregnant was like a little rough on me, but, um, 
I was never like mad at people or held like a resentment or an anger. I think I was just like, what's wrong with my body? Like, why does this have to happen to me? Why I'm the one that wants kids. Like, why can't I have kids? I never, I, I internalized it more than I pushed it out on people. And I always tried to make sure that I was happy for people. I was always trying to involve myself just to make sure that my heart was right. Like, and this was all before, you know, um, and I would be like, I, I'm 100% all to your gender reveal. And I was happy to do it because it was my way of showing like, listen, I'm so happy for you. And I'm really happy for you. And I'm going to love your babies. Like I love, would love my own babies. So, you know, it was it, but God, he totally healed me of all that. That's awesome. And I, I wanted to throw in there, speaking of loving other people's babies, that's something that you've done yeah. for a large part of your life is love other people's babies, right? Yeah. I was, um, before, um, for the last probably four or five years, I was a nanny and I was a nanny with, um, I say two and a half. Cause I was with the second family for a very short time before they moved. But the first mm-hmm. family I was with, um, them for a few years and I raised both of their daughters from uh, newborn until they moved away. One was about to be, she was about to be two. And the other one was about eight months when they moved. Mm -hmm. So, or maybe she was about to be three, something like that. (laughs) And then, um, the second family I was with, I was with them for a short time and they ended up moving. It was just too far of a commute for me, but I really loved their family and they had a sweet little boy. Um, and I, and then the third family I was with for about, um, like eight or nine months, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe 10 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the surprise family, you know, everything was a surprise for them too. Along the way. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but they, but, you know, God really filled my arms, mm-hmm. um, and my heart with these kids in the time that I had to wait. And I think that that was a lot of healing for me too, because I was able to love these kids and mm-hmm care for these kids. And I never was like, Oh God, I have to take care of these kids. And, you know, there were times when I would rock them to sleep and I'd be like, Lord, I love this job so much. And I'm so grateful that you gave it to me, but just let me know when it's time for it to be my baby, mm-hmm. to be rocking to sleep. And, um, and I would say, I trust you and I believe you, and I know you're going to do it. And I, I always kept that in my heart. I never lost faith in him because he's took it, taken me, the took in, he's taken me this far. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't back down now, you know? Yeah. And I, it was almost like I'm too far deep right now. I can't, I, I have nowhere else to go. So, and it wasn't like I, I felt trapped in it, but I just knew that this was the only, the only way that this was going to happen for me was mm-hmm. through God yeah. and his miracles that he performs. And God just really, you know, he healed my heart. He took this broken thing and, and on the outside, I didn't look broken, but on the inside I was, you know, and he just totally put it back together. And I believe that's one of the reasons why, you know, I was in this waiting period for so long first, because God's timing is perfect. And second, because God had to heal me Mm -hmm. and he had to make sure that I was in the right place to become a mother and to raise my daughter up or my son up or my kids up to be strong men, women of God. Mm-hmm. you know, and how can I do that if I'm still dealing with this trauma and this pain, this hurt, this, you know, resentment or whatever, God totally healed my heart. And he was just making everything better. And he was, you know, growing me in ways I'd never experienced before. And, and it was all just from spending a little time with him every day, something I'd never really done before. And it's just so amazing how, when you see how much things can change just by 
spending a little bit of time with God every day, reading your word and, and worshiping and praying and, you know, re- and really just seeking him for everything. Like a lot changes a lot. And I'm so grateful to him for really making me a different person. You know, it really, he really did. And That's he just, awesome. he totally, he was preparing you. Yeah. 100%. And like, and I'm so grateful that, I mean, I never would have thought that I would have been in a nanny. Like I, <laughs> I was in retail for so long, stuck in that squeaky wheel, you know, <laughs> I just didn't know. I didn't know what else to do. And then, um, when I moved down to, to floor, back to Florida, I moved here before my husband did, cause he was still in the army, but we didn't have anywhere to live. It was kind of like, so we lived separate for about a year. I lived down here and he was up in Tennessee while he was getting out. Mm-hmm. And I moved down here to start kind of start a life for us. Um, so I didn't know what I was going to do. And I have, and that was just another God thing was the nanny thing. I, I was like, maybe I could be a nanny. And it just kind of started to resonate in my heart. Like maybe I could do that. And then, um, my family knew a family that needed a nanny. They just had a baby and, um, their nanny that they'd hired was like, "Mm, I don't, I don't think I could do this. She didn't even work one day yet. (laughs) She just, and then I interviewed with them and they were like, well, we'll take a chance on you. You know, it was, they didn't say it like that, but it was really taking a chance. Cause I sure I'd done childcare before, but not to this capacity Mm -hmm. every day, all day. They were two Mm -hmm. doctors. So they were gone a lot. Wow. And they still will tell you to this day, cause I still see the girls a lot. Uh, I see the girl, not a lot, but I try to see them as often as I probably see them once a year. Um, they'll tell you that it was like the best choice they've ever made. And I'm, oh, that's I'm not awesome. trying to do my own more or anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know how much you love them though, because I remember you talking about it, you know, just yeah. social media stuff during this time. And yeah. you could, you, it was very clear. Like you could see that you were a part of their family. And that's yeah. what happens when you're a nanny. Um, you may or may not know I nanny for a family for nine years. I think I remember it's, that. Yeah. I, I don't know if it, it feels like it couldn't have been that long, but it had to be. Um, <laughs> and, and the, it, I was like a part of their family, you know, and they were like a part of my family and just yeah. watching those kids grow up and now they're grown. And that's the weirdest thing. <laughs> it's so wild that you walked in your arms be yeah. adult it's yeah. crazy. It's, and of course my girls aren't adults yet, but you know, they're growing. I just, they're growing. Them. Just wait so until they're going, you're going to their wedding and then you're really going to be like, what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can't handle it yet. Um, can I yeah. just say, can I just say something real quick as you were talking about this time as you were a nanny and you were in this waiting period and the Lord is working on your heart. Um, what came to my mind just like very vividly right now is the scripture from Psalm 37. Um, and I just quickly looked it up, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. And that, that, that vision just came to me of bringing forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as noonday, as he was working on your heart of bringing that out of you. And that to me is just so, it's so beautiful and encouraging that you were having this growth in that waiting. Yeah. And that's something Rebecca and I have been discussing a bit as we've talked about 
they struggles with infertility and how to walk this path as women trusting in the Lord. And it is so difficult and it's so heartbreaking and the waiting is so hard and the longing it's like having love in your heart for someone you haven't even met yet. Yeah. And to, I just speaking for myself and, and my, my own experiences that can often become just like a, a thorn in the side of our faith of, of struggling with our faith with the Lord of like, why me? Why am I going through this? Why so long? Like, why, why are you doing this? Why can't this just happen? Just a lot of whys. Yeah. And so I'm just personally very encouraged to hear how you love these children that weren't your own and you helped raise them Mm -hmm. and you just patiently waited on the Lord for your time. And he was faithful to give you the desires of, or his desires in your heart. He placed in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So a few things, actually, my, I remember when I first started going back to church and I was talking to my dad on the phone, I was like, and I, he said, well, you, you know, you're going to, you have to do the will of, you, you're going to have to do the will of God. You're going to have to do what God wants you to do. And I was like, well, what if I don't want to do what God wants? Me to do? <laughs> and he was like, but if you're following God properly, you're going to want to do what God wants you to do. And it's so true. Cause once you start seeing God's plan unfold, you're like, oh, wait, I want that. I don't want that. I, I don't <laughs> that anymore. I want that first. Mm -hmm. And somebody once told me, it was our pastor once told me you have to be patient in faith. And Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what that meant in the time, in that time, but I learned over time that I had to have faith, but I had to have patience and wait on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard to learn because, you know, we live in a society, like let's do this now, do this now, do this now. But had I gotten my miracle, you know, three, even two years ago, we weren't in the right position to have it. And God has done so many transitions over the years, um, just these last few years to bring us to where we are now. And Mm -hmm. my husband and I talk all the time about how, wow, if we would have had this, you know, what we have now, two years ago, we would have screwed it up so bad. (laughs) So so we had growing to do both of us. And I think really, and I really believe, and I know that God wanted me to find contentment in him first before Mm -hmm. I had anything that he could give me. I had to learn how to worship him. I had to learn how to seek him. I had to learn how to do all this stuff and really grow in him and grow in my patience and grow in my faith and be faithful to the things that he's placed in my hands to be able to learn how to be content in just him. And I had to, I got to the point at the end where I was like, Lord, I trust you. And whether you do this or you don't do this, I know you're going to, but even if you didn't, I am so content just in what you've given me and what you've done. And I really had to get to that point. And there's, I, I feel like (laughs) when I say this stuff, I don't even know like a better word to say, but I just feel like when people would say this stuff at, you know, you go to conferences, you hear people tell you these stories and you're like, Okay. Cause when you're going through it, but man, it's so true, you know, and really take it from somebody who has walked this really hard walk. And I would, I, you know, just to, I put this out there a lot and I say this a lot and I put it on my, my testimony when I posted a very short testimony on Facebook. Um, 
I would lay on the floor when my husband would go to sleep. I would lay on the floor of our bedroom on my side of the bed. So he wouldn't know in the dark. And I would put a pillow down there and I would just cry my eyes out to where my hair would be soaking wet. And I would just say, God, just let me be a mom. Even if, even if it's not for me, cause I know I really suck. Like I'm really not a good person. Like, even if it's not for me, my husband, he just, he deserves to be a dad. Like, let him be a dad. Let him don't do it for me. Do it for him. And, you know, I, and I really believe that God collects and the Bible says God collects all of our tears and not a single one goes to waste. So I know in that time, God was just collecting every tear going, you don't even know, you don't even know what I'm going to do. And, and another thing that I used to say too, was to people was, you know, cause people would come to me like, how do you do this? How do you have strength? How do you, and I'm like, look, my story is not, I mean, it's for me to grow, but my story is not for me at the end of the day. And I said that at the beginning of this, my story is to bring hope to barren wombs. My story is to bring faith where faith is lacking. My story is to rejuvenate spirits and souls and hearts that need rejuvenation to remember, Hey, we still serve a miraculous, amazing God. Absolutely. And, you know, and sometimes our struggle, I believe most times our struggle is not for us. It's yes. for other Someone people. Else. Yeah. And look, if I have to walk this walk to, to let other people have faith and grow and come to the Lord and have these amazing babies and all this stuff, I'll do it. I'll do it. That's okay. I know I can endure it because I have God by my side. And yeah. that's just it. I think a lot of times we forget and we think we're alone, but we are so never alone. Like we are so never alone. God is always with us. And, you know, I, I, I always said like, you know, there were times where I thought I was alone, but I never really felt alone. And I realized it's because God was always by my side. He was always guiding me and walking me, holding my hand. He cried every tear. I cried. He sat right there and he cried them with me and he held me and he hugged me. I didn't even know he was doing it but he's always there with us. And that's something that I really want people to know too, is that if you're ever feeling alone or lonely, just know you're not because mm -hmm. he's always there for us. And he's always there right there with us, guiding us through it. Even if we're not taking that guidance where he's there. That's beautiful. It reminds me a lot of your stories, Ray, that you've shared about um, the Lord being there with you in some of your darkest times too, and difficult times. But uh, Evan, this is like so powerful and you're just leading up to your miracle, <laughs> which is, I can't even with this. So I don't know where you want to kind of continue that at. If it was yeah. just like a, you know, how, cause the use so of the years progressed, the years progressed. You just started what 2016 was when you were doing fertility treatments and then you stopped yep. and then you, yep. you moved, you know, from Tennessee to Florida You've yep. worked as a nanny for all these years. And then, yep. then what happened? So 2021, I started working with a new family right at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, really sweet family. Um, and God blessed me with that opportunity. Actually, that was a massive opportunity. That was once again, another promise that God made me. And I was like, how's this going to happen? And it totally did. Um, which I can tell that story too, if you guys are cool with it. Um, yeah. God told, God made it very clear to me that I was going to work with a professional athlete. And, um, the first, I actually, right after I left 
uh, my first nanny family moved away, I did interview with a professional um, female soccer player and I was going to work with her family. Um, she's actually kind of well-known. Um, and then it fell through and I was like, oh, darn, I, okay, that's fine. And then I interviewed with a professional um, very quickly after that, actually, I interviewed with a professional NBA family and they liked me and they liked my credentials, but they um, hired another woman. And I was like, darn, I really thought that was the one too. But I was like, you know what, God, I trust you. So in the meantime, I started working with another family. Um, they were just <laughs> um, just kidding. They were a really sweet family. They had a really sweet little boy and, um, and I really liked their family a lot. Um, and then out of the blue, the NBA family, uh, text me again and said, Hey, listen, our nanny, uh, left. So we're looking for a nanny and I really liked you. And would you come back? And I was like, I know this is the job that God has for me. How am I going to tell this family that, cause they weren't believers. They're not going to understand that. How am I going to tell them that they're just going to think it's a money thing? And it totally wasn't, it was really, I just needed to go work on me. So, um, I prayed that whole weekend, like with tummy pains all weekend. Cause I'm like, how am I going to tell these people, you know, they really love me and I really love them. And I don't know. So, uh, that Monday I walked into work and she goes, so I'm going to talk to you about something. And I'm like, okay. Cause I'm like gearing up to tell her that I got to quit. And she goes, so we, and I didn't know any of this. They weren't planning on any of this. She goes, we put it, we just did like for fun. We did a showing of our house this weekend and we got two offers and we put an offer on a house in Coral Gables. And I understand that that's a far commute for you. So it's okay if you can't stay with our family. I was like, wow. Yeah. Right. That's incredible. So yeah. I said, it is a far commute for me. And I, I, you know, I do love your family, but I can't stay. And she's like, I understand no big deal. And that was it. So I was able to start with a new family in January, um, really wonderful, sweet, loving, kind family. Um, I got along with them really well. Um, they had two sweet little boys and it was a really great job for me. Um, and God, it was just, once again, it's just another facet of this miracle that God has totally orchestrated everything. So that same month, God blessed us with our very first home um, our dream home. And when we were walking through the house, I think we saw the house on like Christmas Eve and we walked out back and we have a, we're the only people in the neighborhood that have a yard this size. And we have a gigantic, um, Australian pine in the backyard. And when we walked out in the backyard, I looked at my husband and he looked at me and he, and we both at the same time said, that's going to be the kid's tree house. Like we just knew that that was, this was our home. We just knew it. And it was a struggle to get this house. You know, the enemy really didn't want us to have this house because it meant a lot would break for us. So, um, but we got the house and it was, it again, another miracle, another amazing testimony within that as well. And, um, we moved in and, you know, I just kept my head down and I worked and we went through a few little bumps in the road, through the year. Um, and I started noticing through the year that, you know, they talk about, I was getting up early for work and I was having to get up and they talk about how, when you have a routine, you do it for what, 21 or 28 days and it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing that it was getting really hard to wake up in the morning for work, like progressively. And there were days where I was like, I can't peel myself out of this bed. I'm like super tired. I was going to bed earlier and it was harder for me to get out of bed. So I started noticing like little things like that. Um, with my nanny family, I traveled a couple of times. I went to California, I went to the Bahamas with them. 
um, just to kind of, you know, help facilitate some trips with the kids and be there when they wanted to kind of do their own thing. Um, so they went away for the week of three, like three weeks before Thanksgiving, they went away to California and they were going to bring me with them, but they decided not to at the end. Um, so I had about three weeks of rest here in the house and, um, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, which I think is like the 23rd, I was at worship practice that Tuesday night. And, um, I, at the end, I was like, I noticed I was a little irritable. I mean, I didn't notice it, but everybody else did. And <laughs> I thought I was being normal, but um, at the end we had to stay a few minutes extra to go over something. And I think I was just super irritated and my back really started hurting like my lower back. And I was like, and it's, I felt that pain before, but it usually, when I sit down, it goes away. And it wasn't going away. And I'm like, wow, my back's really hurting. Like, I don't understand. I didn't say anything to anybody. I didn't really think much of it. I just thought, I don't know what's going on. I'll just, I'm just getting old. I don't know. So, <laughs> so I went to bed that night and I think I stayed up kind of late. Um, I was still really hurting. My back was still super like hurting really bad. And, um, through the night I woke up a few times and my lower back was just killing me. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. When my husband woke up for work that morning, it was like, he wakes up at like six or so. And, um, I was awake and he kissed me goodbye. And I was like, my back's really hurting. And it's like starting to hurt in the front too. And he was like, well, just kind of take it easy today. And we'll see, you know, if you're still feeling that way, maybe we'll whatever. So, um, <laughs> he came home early from work that day because it was the day before Thanksgiving and we were going to go visit his mother on Thanksgiving day. And I was going to make pies. So he came home early and we were, I was going to make pies. And then we had church that night and then we were going to leave early the next day to go to his mom's. So, um, I go in the kitchen at like two 30, my sister-in-law calls me we have ha ha ha, whatever, hang up the phone. And within five minutes of me hanging up the phone and I'm in the middle of mixing up this batter for pumpkin pies. And I felt like I involuntarily peed my pants. And I was like, what is happening? I was really weirded out. So I run, we have a bathroom, like not far from the kitchen. So I run to the bathroom in the kitchen or not in the kitchen. Ew. <laughs> and, um, I like rip my pants off and I'm feeling like, I'm like, maybe I just felt that maybe I didn't actually pee. And I'm like feeling everything. And while I'm sitting on the toilet, like, you know, hopefully this isn't TMI, but stuff is still just rushing out of me. Definitely I, not TMI for this podcast <laughs> for sure. Evan, do not I, worry. <laughs> <laughs> my house is full of tiles. So don't worry about this part, but I literally walk across the house, completely dripping still across the house. And I have these two rugs. I have wood floors in each of our bedrooms. So I have two rugs on either side. So I'm kneeling on my husband's side, just dripping all over the rug on his side of the bed. <laughs> and I said, I peed my pants, but I didn't pee my pants. And he was like, what? <laughs> so then of course I call my mom and I'm like, oh, and I tell her everything. And she's like, okay, so I think you need to go to the hospital. Did she say anything at this point? Like she was she suspecting- was she was so, I think she was so, I think she literally said to me, she goes, is there any way that you're pregnant? 
And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? Is there any way I'm pregnant? What is it, the time to ask me that? And, um, this is not the time, mom. I'm, I, 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 something is coming out of me. So, um, so I, we go to the ER and of course I'm like still dripping. My husband's like, you better not get any of that in the car. So <laughs> my towel and you know, he's a car guy. Did you so. think it was pee? No. This- Oh, at this point you were like, this isn't pee. I really had a gut feeling either there's something seriously wrong and something (laughs) exploded inside of my body or I'm in labor because the back along with that really made sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, (laughs) we go into the ER and they put me in a wheelchair immediately. And I said, I think I'm in labor. And they're like, how far along are you? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, well, how, how long I'm like, I don't know. Who's your doctor. I don't have one. And now I've learned that, you know, after being in the hospital and talking to some of the nurses in there, when that happens, usually it's, um, you know, it's related to sometimes substance abuse and stuff like that. So they, and I looked crazy cause I was, home <laughs> so I'm in like my muumuu dress, my little fl- like flip-flops, my hair's crazy, no makeup. I, you know, so they're probably like, yeah, this girl, <laughs> but they lay me in a bed um, at the hospital in the ER and a bunch of nurses come in and I'm like, look, I'm still dripping. And they're like, it's fine. That's what we're here for. And, um, they take a lot of blood, so much blood. I didn't even know I had that much blood in my body. And (laughs) then the doctor comes in with this like little rinky dink, um, ultrasound. And she goes, I'm just going to check in your belly. And she puts the ultrasound up to my belly and there they saw a baby and they said, wow look how strong its heartbeat is. And I was like, I'm dumbfounded at this point. And I look at my husband, he's got tears in his eyes. I have tears in my eyes. And we're both like crying our eyes, ugly crying, right? (laughs) The nurses are all standing there like this. And then one of them finally pipes up and they're like, is this, and we're just like ugly crying in the corner and they're all sitting there so awkward. And then finally one's like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And I was like, we wanted a baby for like 10 years. And then all of them start crying. One of the nurses is like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I can't deal with this. I gotta go. (laughs) So then um, the ER doctor said, well, it looks, if I had to guess, I would say you're 16 to 20 weeks. And in my mind, I don't know a lot about this stuff, but I know enough that 16 to 20 weeks is not great. Mm -hmm. And if I am in labor, we got to do this. So, um, they rushed me over to, uh, the x-ray department. I don't remember what it's called. Radiology. Yeah. That one (laughs) really radiology. And the woman puts it up to my belly. And of course I'm contracting this whole time because my water's broken. And that was Mm -hmm. probably like at three o'clock, my water broke. Mm -hmm. And, um, she puts the ultrasound up to my belly and she said, no, 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 you're 32 to 33 weeks. And I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, this was just so crazy. And so the, in the meantime, you know, my mom, my husband's texting my mom and my mom's, you know, like telling our pastor, like what's going on just pray for her. And he goes, they said 16 to 20 weeks. He's like, no, I think, I think she's 32 to 33 weeks. And sure enough, like, wow. Wow. He said, I'm going to pray for 32 to 33 weeks. And then literally 10 minutes later, like, no, 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 you're 32 to 33 weeks. So I felt a lot more relief I mean, of course it's not ideal to have a baby at that time, but I felt so much more relief knowing Mm -hmm. that at least my baby is developed and, Mm -hmm. you know, she's Mm -hmm. like 
it's good. You know, he's mm -hmm. it, so, so, um, I was in the ER for a super long time. I don't know what took so long, but by the time I was at, I got there at like probably four, I was probably in the ER for two hours. They pushed, I say they rushed me, but it really was no rush. They put me into labor and delivery at 645. I was finally like officially admitted. And I only know this because the NICU nurses repeated it to me a hundred million times to <laughs> tell me like, your story's so cool. Um, 645, I was admitted to labor and delivery. And that's when the real uh, fun labor started. Wow, this is not fun. Um, they're still asking me all kinds of questions. And I was like, you guys, I don't care. Like this really hurt. And the doctor came in. He's like, so maybe, maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe through the night, we'll have a baby, you know? And I'm like, I don't even know who this doctor is. I don't know what's going on. And um, I told you guys this story earlier. I was in, I, I really felt a peace through it all. Like, I think I was just so in shock that this was even happening that more than anything, but I really just know that God was over the whole situation. Mm -hmm. So I felt a big, a huge piece. And my husband and I kind of were laughing through the whole thing. Like, what the heck, why is nothing we do normal? Like, <laughs> you know, so, um, I was in room two, nine, one, and I was laying in the bed contracting. And I looked up at the light. Um, it has like a metal frame around it and it had like a dynamo sticker, whatever those things are called, like a label maker sticker on it. And it said, um, two, nine, one, one. And immediately, like, it was as if the Holy spirit placed on my heart, you know, Hey, look, that's Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper, you know? And it was just like, wow, like, okay, God, you're really here in every step. And it was just like, you know, little things like that, like that. I just knew God was a part of everything. And, yeah. um, and I felt peace, not just because of that, but just because I knew that God was over this. And I knew he'd already proven to me, like, look, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. Um, and at 6:45, admitted, went through labor for a couple of hours. And when I was first admitted, I think I was like six or seven centimeters and I progressed very quickly. And by, um, they were setting everything up for the baby and for me. And the nurse said, if you feel like you have to go number two, just tell me that means it's time to push. <laughs> so, I mean, five minutes after she said that to me, I was like, I looked at the nurse that was in the room. I said, I feel like I have to go number two. And literally it was like a rush of people. Like, <laughs> everybody was in there. Lights, camera, action. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's no contraction. So I'm just laying there, you know, spread Eagle babies is like halfway, not halfway out, but she's like ready to come out. And I'm like, and everyone's looking at me. And I'm like, <laughs> And the doctor goes, I think the contraction's coming. And um, sure enough, a contraction came. I pushed. And at 849, my daughter was born at three pounds, 11 ounces at 33 weeks. And that's um, amazing. It was just like, oh my gosh. So of course she was, you know, there, the last few weeks of um, pregnancy is when all the stuff develops. You guys know you have kids. So um, it was like, they really had to rush her to make sure that her lungs were okay to make sure everything was okay. So I really only got to see her for half a second. And then mm. she was, gone. my husband took a few pictures. He put her by my face and my husband took a picture of me looking terrible <laughs> and her looking as cute as can be. And then, um, they rushed her out and, mm. um, brought her to the NICU. And then, I mean, it was like, as soon as she was born, everything went back to normal for me. Like I felt completely normal. All the pain was gone. Everything was fine. I just felt really awkward that I'm sitting there half naked and these people are like still looking at 
Well, it's amazing what those natural endorphins release into your body yeah. to kind of stop everything that you were feeling before. Now you probably still had maybe some contractions when the placenta was coming out, or if you were in the yeah. hospital, I don't know if they pull it out or what they do. It, um, well, yeah, <laughs> luckily he did not yank it out of me. But, um, Some of them do. <laughs> red horror stories. Um, it still was like, you know, he had to kind of massage it out and get it out, but mm-hmm. it came out, you know, not perfectly comfortable, but not terribly either. Yeah. And, um, and then we had to sit there and we couldn't be admitted to the recovery floor because they needed COVID tests, you know, stupid COVID. So, um, and then they lost our COVID test. It was just like this whole thing. We had to wait forever. And so we're just sitting there and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. We're both like, what just happened? Because <laughs> rushed in to pull her out. Basically everybody was gone. And it was like, just me and him in the room. And he's like, he goes, can what Evan, like literally what just happened? I said, I think we just had a baby. (laughs) It's crazy. You guys went from, you know, most people get nine months to mentally prepare. And you guys went from like zero to 1000 Yeah, and that you just became parents in a matter of hours. Yeah. I'm just wondering like what it was like for you, those hours laying in that bed as you were contracting, like what was running through your head of that you're about to be a mom or is it just all a blur now? I think it was a combination of a few things. It was a combination of like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. And then it was like, is this really happening right now? Like, is this when I'm supposed to have this baby? Are you sure? And then it was like, you know, happy tears because it's like this is what I've always wanted and of course they couldn't tell the they you know they couldn't tell the gender but I knew in my heart it was a girl because God showed me in that vision that it was a girl and I actually had another dream about a year after I had that initial vision and I was sitting on the floor I don't know why I'm always sitting but I was (laughs) on the floor of a living room and I was talking to somebody and I heard a little blonde girl going Evan 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 and then she saw me and she goes there you are. And she jumped into my arms and I held her. And it was the same little girl that I saw before. Mm. Wow. So I always knew it would be a little girl. So, you know, my mom's texting my husband going, I wonder what it is. And he's like, my money's on girl because you know, I haven't <laughs> had these dreams and we've always just kind of felt like it would be a girl first. So, mm. um, and actually while I was pregnant, I would say probably, uh, two months before I had her, I would had a dream <laughs> again, God, I had a lot of dreams when I was pregnant, a lot of, pregnant. well, when you're pregnant, you do have a lot of yes. dreams. Yes. So it does make, but sense. I had a lot of dreams about being pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, um, the one that sticks out the most was I was having an ultrasound done and, um, I, never saw the screen. I never saw, but the ultrasound tech goes, Oh, I can write the gender down on a piece of paper for you. And I'm like, okay. But in my head, I was like, what if I I never saw anything? Am I even pregnant? Like, how can you even tell me that you can write the gender? What, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. So I, but I didn't, you know, say all those things. I was like, Oh, okay. And then, um, next thing I knew I was in front of our church standing like on the stage and there was a bunch of like in the church and they've always prayed for us too. And anytime, like, you know, we're like, oh, God's going to work. They would always like be so excited for us. Or if a word was spoken over us, or God would say something to us about 
having our child, they were like, yes. And they were front <laughs> center in this dream that I had. And I was telling everybody, so we're going to do a gender reveal in front of the whole church. And, you know, when we pop these cannons, it was, it was confetti cannons. It was also like the smoke, the smoking, whatever ones. And, um, <laughs> I remember thinking, what if I pop these cannons and there's nothing in there? Hmm. Like, and I'm just going to be embarrassed in front of everybody. Like, oh, just kidding. I guess I'm not pregnant. So, um, we popped the cannons and lit the little smoke things and it was all pink and everybody, our wow. whole church was like jumping and screaming. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I guess I am pregnant and I guess it is a girl. And then I woke up hmm. and I was like, that was weird. <laughs> Does any of that mean? you know, and I'm like, well, I guess that's just how it's going to be whenever I have my baby. And I really knew that I was going to get pregnant soon. I just didn't know. I didn't know any, I didn't know. Yeah. That's, that's one of the the things that I was wondering as you were telling this is, so you were having these dreams. Did at any point during the pregnancy, the thought came to you like, Oh, maybe I could be like, did you ever think about taking a test? Okay. Yes. I did think about taking a test at one point and I went to actually, I know I have pregnancy tests under my sink because, you know, we used to take them frequently. Um, not frequently, but you know, whenever yeah. like, well, I feel weird. So maybe, you know, um, but I went to look for them and I could not find a single one. And I was like, oh, I got to pee anyway, so I'm not going to just go to the store. So, and then, then I let it go and it was like, God just took it out of my mind. Mm. And I really believe that God wanted me to know I was pregnant, but he didn't want me to be <laughs> like overt, like, Hey guys, I'm, I think he just wanted it to be between me and him, wow. you know? Mm. And, um, he really protected my daughter. And I, I always say that God concealed my daughter the way he concealed Moses, you know, mm -hmm. in that time, because I really believe God has a special purpose and plan for her, not just through the testimony with me, but I believe she has an amazing, you don't come into the world like that without an amazing purpose. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely. And we believe in God. And I, I believe that there is an enemy out there who can, you know, really take, try to take all your joy and your happiness away. And I really believe God had to protect me. And, and so many times, even doctors are like, wow, how lucky are you that you didn't have to stress out through your pregnancy? And I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> true. And especially going through infertility, you know, I would have been stressed through my entire pregnancy. I would have been like, what if, what if, what if, and I would yeah, have been a lot of worries. Yeah. And yeah. I just know that God alleviated all of that by just being like, let's keep it a secret. I also and can't help, yeah. but think because she was premature, like there must've been something going on in your body that caused you to go into labor that if you would have known you were pregnant, it would have been so scary. I mean, I imagine you probably had feelings of being afraid during that process, but yeah. just finding out you're pregnant and you're in labor and she's 33 weeks, uh, that's a lot to take in, but it's like, your mind doesn't have time to catch up. There Whereas like, if you, after going through, I, you know, infertility treatments, if you would have known early on and gone through all of the prenatal care, the way that things go when you go into labor that early, it's like a nightmare and it's yeah. so terrifying. They could have really put a lot. And I think that was it too, is that, you know, they would have put a lot of fear in me through my whole pregnancy too. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, well, we got to watch this baby because, you know, and it, it could have been a lot of not fear mongering on purpose, but just because, you know, yeah, that's how yeah. our system is kind of built yeah. a little bit. 
So, you know, I think it was just like, it was just God saying, I got you, I got this, you know, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Like I said, I like think two weeks before I had her, I was eating Ross. I, my husband, I met my husband at work and I, we went to a sushi bar and I had like raw sushi, which is like, no, no, number one, you know, I drank coffee every day. And, you know, I, I did, I traveled to the Bahamas, like, and I was on a, you know, like traveled to California. Like I traveled to California in October. So that was like a month before I had her. So, you know, I was flying technically in my third trimester and I really shouldn't have been. Um, hey, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you say all these things, you know, but I was doing all that you're not supposed to do. Sure. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I was not, you know, I had not a worry in the world about it. And like I said, going through what I went through, I would have been an extra worry ward, even yeah, though I really, yeah. even though I trust God, you know, you still mm-hmm. think about these things like, okay, I have to do my part and I have to make sure that I'm not, you know, jumping on a trampoline or horseback riding or <laughs> roller coaster, you know, I didn't do any of those things, but you know. <laughs> it's a good thing. You don't live too wild of a life, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Good thing I'm not an adventurer uh, <laughs> that you're not like a surfer out there, you know, or <laughs> Um, I did want to say, at least you finally got an answer for why you're so tired. Oh my gosh. I (laughs) So yeah. And then it's so funny because there were little things because people ask me, you know, whenever they hear the story, you had no idea you had no symptoms. And I'm like, I really didn't have a lot. I had a little things that I could have equated to other stuff. So one thing Mm -hmm. was right at the beginning of my pregnancy. Uh, well, yeah, it was right at the beginning. Like I would say within the first, maybe at the beginning of the second trimester, if I do my math properly, um, I am a coffee drinker. I've been a coffee drinker my whole life. And then one day I went to get a cup of coffee and I was like, it didn't make me nauseous, but it just didn't sound appealing. You had an aversion. Yes. You were like, no, I don't want this. Yeah. That's, but I need caffeine. I'm going to have a headache. So I started drinking like black tea and I was like, this is really weird. This is not like me. I was telling my sister-in-law about it. She's like, oh, that's happened to me before. She said that happened to me before. Um, I had a sinus infection. And then after I got over it, I really didn't want coffee anymore. And I had remembered, she told me that before. And I had just gotten over a sinus infection. So I'm like, it's probably just that. And then I was really tired. Um, What was the other stuff? Like there was like little, little things that I could have, but I was working with two boys and I was working five days a week and I was working, running up and down stairs, chasing these big kids around, you know, like it was, and that's another thing is I was working with two boys who were very active, playful, you know, they're good kids, but like, just, I'm not yeah, I have, people. I have two boys and I'm yeah. tired all the time. <laughs> yeah. I can attest to that. They're running you down. Do you have stairs, Rachel? Because if you do, you're going up and down stairs. I don't. I purposely didn't want to buy a house with stairs. <laughs> yeah. No, they had a big, beautiful staircase. And I was like, oh, every boy. time the boys would run upstairs, I'd stand at the bottom, like, come down. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was that. And I remember at the end of it, um, my, uh, the chef, the, the chef at work, she said, Miss Evan, you look really tired. And I was like, I am really tired today, Miss Keisha. Like, I don't know what's going on. She's like, yeah, maybe I think I'm a little tired too. And I never felt tired at work. It was just those last few months. I was like, I'm dying. Like, I'm so tired. And I, I was tired, but I remember people telling me whenever they were pregnant, that it was like a tiredness that you can't like, you can't even stand up. And I wasn't that, I was tired, but I wasn't that tired. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can't remember what the other couple of things were like, just little what was going on with your cycle? Cause did you so, notice it by that? Or you were just used to things being irregular? Yes. PCOS makes your menstrual cycles very irregular. So it's normal to go a long time without having a menstrual cycle. So, um, so I had, you know, one of those things where it was just like, uh, it's not a big deal. I think I started out with menstrual cycles mm-hmm. and then they were gone. And I was like, well, it wasn't abnormal for me to have a couple and then to go a long time without one and then have a couple. Mm. So God brought it back in that time. Sorry, my neck was bothering me. Um, and he brought back my menstrual cycles just for me to get pregnant. And then, wow. Like, so I, I think I had a menstrual cycle, I think January and then not in February and then March and then not in April and then May. And I think I got pregnant between March and May sometime there because my, they um, estimated my due date to be in January of this of 2022. So, um, so it was just kind of like, you know, God gave me my period for a few months and, and he was like, this is my time. You bought your house. Things are set up, ready to go. It's time. And I didn't know that at the time, but now when I look back at it, it's like, okay, this is, this was God's perfect plan. He wanted to set it. He wanted to set us up so that like, we weren't like living in, we were living with my parents before that. And, you know, we did, we were trying to save up money to buy a home and you guys know the housing market is insane. So, um, we bought right before the height of all the craziness. So, um, it was like right before the height of all, like right before it. Like, I think we were our realtors first clients that started to experience the craziness. And, um, like I told you, it was a little, it was a struggle to buy our house. And that was one of the things, cause the market was starting to get wild. Yeah. And, um, and so God was like, here's your home. We want to do the right order of things. And then here's your baby, you know? And it was like, it was boom, boom. And it was just so crazy how God orchestrated that so perfectly. And it just, again, it's another facet to the miracle. So, um, you know, I have my daughter now and she's, she just turned nine months to yesterday. And, um, I was telling you guys earlier that, you know, she's in nine months clothing at nine months. And, you know, that's just another facet of the miracle that even though she was born early, she, that's just amazing. Yeah. She's right on track. She's really not missing out on anything and she's perfectly healthy and she's so happy. She's so cute. She's such a sweetie pie. And, um, it's just all part of it. Like to have such a happy, sweet little baby that, you know, people would think, okay, well she was early. So she's going to have some health issues. And, and I have seen stories where moms have given birth after me, you know, gestationally, and they had a lot of health issues with their kids and the kids were, that was what I wanted to ask you, Evan was what happened after she was born, she was taken to the NICU and everything, but what happened after that? So she was in the NICU for a little while, not super duper long. Um, and then she came home 
you know, they were very cautious. They, they fell in love with our family and our story so much. And we were there. I was there. I mean, I immediately, the day after Thanksgiving, I called my nanny family and I told her the story and I was like, I love your family so much, but I got to be honest. I, it's time for me to take care of my family. Now I'm recovering from labor and I've got to breastfeed and, you know, I've got to pump every 15 minutes and, or, or every, you know, three hours, whatever, you know, and I got it. And I just can't, I can't, I can't. And she's like, I totally get it. I understand. You don't have to worry about any of that. So luckily they were in a position where they were getting ready to put their boys in like, um, you know, like young school for young, young kids so they can start socializing and all that stuff. So I wasn't going to be phased out, but they were going to find like other things for me to do while the kids were at school. So it really was like, again, God's perfect timing that it wouldn't affect them as much as it would have had, I say I was with my first nanny family and they needed me, you know, all day, every day. So, um, so that's amazing. That must've been such a fun phone call. Hey, uh, (laughs) guess what? I just had a baby. (laughs) Yeah. I was like you and I texted her, I said, Hey, can you talk? And she was in California. So I had to like, wait for the timing. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> you know, like stressing. And I'm like, I know she's going to be fine. Cause she's a really awesome person, but like, how am I going to tell her this? Cause I hey, have, ma'am can't come to work on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause she texts me on Thanksgiving. She's like, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I hope you've had a beautiful blessed day. And then she said, see you Monday. And I was like, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk. I had a baby. I was like, absolutely. Hey, I'm going to call you tomorrow. We got to chat about something that crazy that happened today. And she's like, okay. (laughs) That's wild. And what a beautiful thing too, that she was born right at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like that must've been such a moment where you're like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. It was (laughs) such a reason to give thanks um, to God. Right. And like nobody knew. So my brother and no, my mom knew my dad knew and our pastor knew, and that was it. Nobody else knew. So I'm getting phone calls from like my grandmother. Hey, how you doing? You know, people are texting me. Where are you? What's going on? So I didn't go to church that night and I was meant to lead quite a few songs. So, um, luckily my sister-in-law is also on the worship team and she still didn't know. And she just took, you know, she took over everything and she was like, it's fine. It's fine. She's, you know, she's our main worship leader. So she's like, I'll just take the reins on this. No big deal. She thought that we were just going to leave early to go to my mother-in-law's and she just thought. So then, um, actually during, this is really amazing during our church service. Um, our pastor walked up to my dad and right at 840, like right 845, 850, he looked at my dad. He said, this is going to be a Thanksgiving. You will never forget. And I gave birth at 849. So uh, and my dad just was like, and he, he said it to him in the moments that my daughter was born. So that's crazy. And it's that's just, amazing. Yeah. It's just, God just knows. And he didn't know. Cause he was up there preaching. He had no idea when I was, he just, it's just God, the way God works. So then my dad goes up to my brother and sister-in-law after church. And he's like, Hey, we need you to come to the house. Evan and Brent need to talk to you. And they're like, that's never good in our family. Like when, Hey, Evan. And yeah. Brent that's a serious party. tone there. It's like, <laughs> so they thought we just left early. And then they think, you know, their mind starts twisting and you're like, Oh my gosh, like they were in a car accident. And then I FaceTime them. And then they see that I'm in a hospital. Like I'm clearly in a gown. It's very obvious. And then they're really panicking. And I had just given birth. My mind is spinning. And I just looked at them and I was like, I just gave birth to your niece. And they were like, my brother was so funny. He's standing there. He goes, I'm confused. I'm, don't you have to be pregnant to have a baby? 
I I don't understand. My sister-in-law is crying her eyes out. Like she's so excited. My brother's like, he's just like, (sighs) it's running through his mind. How babies are made. (laughs) Wait, uh, I thought I knew how this worked. (laughs) My brother's typically a really, you know, John, he's kind of like a stoic person. He's likes to laugh and goof off. He's not really shocked by a lot this really shook him to his core. He was like, and of course, I mean, how can you not be? He was like, I don't. And he said he drove the whole way home with that same face. He was like, <sighs> I don't. And he's like, looking at mama. He's like, I'm so confused. My mom's like, don't say you're confused. Your sister had a baby. You're not <laughs> it's clear. <laughs> yeah. Well, your mom must've been so over, over the moon. Like, of course, when you first say stuff, liquid is leaking out of my body, you know, she's like panicked. So something's wrong with my daughter is what she's thinking. And then, um, you know, we get to the hospital, we find everything out. And she, then she's like, oh my gosh. And of course my husband's communicating with her this whole time because I'm too busy. Um, and so I actually went back and read their text messages and it's so cute because she's like, where is she? What is she doing? Is she okay? Okay. How's the baby? The heartbeat? Is she 16 weeks? How far? And she's asking all these questions. He's like, no, yes. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and it's just so funny and, um, typical man. Yeah, I know. Right. And he's, I'm now I'm going, gosh, what was going through his mind at the time? Like, yeah, for the most part, my husband and I are pretty calm people. We don't like freak out in stressful situations. We don't like panic. We're both pretty good in, in high stress situations. But this was one of those things that like, we were like, what is going? I, I literally looked at my husband and I was like, what the heck is going on? And he's like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like it was so, it was so wild. It was just the, it's, it's, I love telling this story. I love shocking people. I usually don't tell just random strangers, but if I'm out with the baby and they're like, Oh, she's so cute. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. And then they're like, no, really? She's really cute. And then they keep going on about it. I'm like, okay, you want to say something's cute? All right, here you go. I'm like, you want to <laughs> story about her. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, I didn't know I was pregnant with her until I went into labor. And they're always like, <laughs> They're like, I've seen the show, but I didn't know that that actually happened. Yeah. They're like, you're like that show. Like, oh yeah, baby. And the wow. thing about it is that like most times when I tell people that they're like, whether, you know, you get the feeling that they're a believer or not every single time they're like, that's a miracle. And I'm like, yeah. you're darn right. Yes. That's a miracle. Yes. 100% straight from heaven. And that's what I tell them every time. I'm like, this Aww. is a straight from heaven. And then I tell them my husband and I wanted to have a baby for 10 years. And then God just gave me one, one day. (laughs) That's so amazing. Evan, your story and your testimony is just so beautiful. I know that this is going to be so inspirational to so many women out there and women that are in, and families that are in that time of waiting. Thank you yeah. for sharing it with us. Yes, oh my thank gosh. You. I'll tell this story a thousand more times. <laughs> <laughs> it's my duty. It's my duty to tell this story and to to hopefully this will bring hope to someone, at least one person. If this brings hope to someone and lets them know that our God still does these amazing, miraculous things. And remember to put your faith in God and remember to trust only God. And I was, you know, like I, I said before, I know, um, you know, people would tell me things and tell me to do things and give me figurines that, you know, I never trusted in those things because, and I wouldn't even put them up on my shelf because I wanted people to know, or I wanted people, I wanted myself to know, Hey, you're going to rely on God to do this. No doctor, no figurine, no, you know, I said before, like, 
people tell you the weird sexual positions that they tell you to do. I didn't rely on any of that. And I, like I said, I would go home and do the complete opposite because I wanted, I said, no, God, I'm going to trust you. And I believe that you're going to do this. And I think if you just have patience and faith and you really believe in God and you trust the Lord with all your heart, he can do anything. You just got to believe that he can do anything. Yeah. I love Amen. that. That is, it's so amazing. It's so encouraging. Like I had mentioned to you, Rebecca, and I have been doing this little series on infertility. And as soon as we started talking about it, you came to my mind as I just really wanted us to round out talking about infertility with that hope. And you know, hearing all the little details of it and what God walked you through, just so many women are in those, those dark places. And it's, it's, it's one of the hardest things that women can go through and to just round out this series that we have been on to share just a tiny little bit of the world of infertility with a testament of your, your faith, your testimony of hope of, you know, you putting, delighting yourself in the Lord and him giving those desires of your heart and it leading to your little baby girl. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so beautiful. It's so encouraging. And and it just makes me in awe of God and, and what he still does today. Cause like you said, at the beginning of this, that he is a God of miracles and he's still doing miracles today. Absolutely. And to just highlight that is it's such an honor for Rebecca and I to just highlight your miracle. Amen. Yeah. It, it because, totally is. He's a very faithful God. Yeah. Really. When he says something to you, it is yes. And amen. It is 100%. He mm-hmm. does not lie. He's not, you know, just say things to say things. If he says you're going to be a pop star and you're going to have 20 kids, you're going to be a pop star and you're going to have 20 kids. You know, there is no if, ands, or buts about it. Um, Of course, it's within his timing and, you know, and it's within, I will say this, it's within our obedience too. You know, we have to show our obedience to God. The Bible says obedience is far better than sacrifice. So, you know, we have to be obedient to what God calls us to do. And um, I really believe that, there's a lot of little things that go into it, but if you believe what God tells you and you stay faithful to him and you stay faithful to the word and you find delight in the Lord and you truthfully just, he, he can do anything. I mean, anything, there is no limit in God. I mean, he can make a baby in a woman that has no uterus. I really believe that. I mean, after being through what I've been through, I really believe that God could put a baby in a woman that's had a, you know, a hysterectomy or whatever. Like, I really believe that God can regrow parts if he wants to and make things happen that you couldn't even believe your eyes if you want, you know, like it's, I, I really believe God can do these things. And I think, um, that's the kind of faith and that's the kind of hope that we all have to have and to know that God can just do anything. And if you have that understanding of God, you're golden. Yeah. He's the God of miracles. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Evan, was there anything, any last things that you wanted to share? You've really just been such an inspiration. I know. Um, just trust in the Lord. 
trust in God and, and don't trust in the things of this world, you know, don't trust in anything else. But if you really put really truthfully, put your trust in the Lord, you know, find your joy in him and, you know, really just, I'm trying to think if there's anything, you know, really, really poignant like that I need to say, like, just, he is so faithful. I, I don't have any other words. You know, he pulls us from the worst places and he's so faithful and he changes us in ways that we didn't even know were in there. So follow him, trust him, believe in him and know that his words are so true and so faithful and he will stay by your side no matter what. Don't ever feel like you're alone. I said that before. Know that there are women out there and know that, um, you know, seek the Lord and he will bring you to your people that will help you and help encourage you and the people that you need. Cause we are meant to fellowship with our people. You know, we are meant to be with our people to be encouraged and be lifted up. And that's another reason I want to share my story. I want to lift you guys up. I want to lift everybody up. And I just want to tell you like from the top of the roof, like God is so cool. He's so amazing. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you for sharing your story, Evan. And thank you all for listening today. This has been a journey. We, um, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see uh, baby Ben decided to join us for the conclusion of this episode. <laughs> so if you want to follow along outside, be sure to check out the YouTube version. Cause you get to kind of watch us dialoguing, which is fun. And so I'm actually Rachel, since baby Ben, he's going to read the Bible verse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Rachel, could you read the verse for us today? Our closing verse. Do you yes. have that up? Uh, no pressure. <laughs> yes, I do have it. What we want to close with today is Psalm 139, one through 18. Correct. I have the right notes. You have the right notes. Psalm yes. 139, one through 18. Okay. You have searched me, Lord, you, and you know me, you know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You Lord know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me, your thoughts, God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And we are wishing you all a radiant week. Thank you for listening. And thank, thank you, Evan, for being with us. Awesome. Thank you.